This service is an opportunity to explore our theme of nurturing beauty for today, for this month. And I so appreciate this opportunity that came about from a, a change in the worship schedule. To me, I want to, it's a chance to think about that beauty is an exercise in experience, experimenting, creating, making a mess, and trying again. It is an entire spiritual practice all by itself to think about how to bring something more wonderful, vibrant, luscious, meaningful, powerful, truthful into the world. And I want to thank the congregation for accepting my invitation for uh, your stories, your photos. What do you think? How has beauty transformed your life? How does it make you? Uh, first off, I want to recognize uh, Joe Lakota for bringing uh, kind of the key, one of the key images here, um, that of the the fair warning for when you share something with the minister, with permission, of course, that anything you say or do can be used in the sermon. This is an intentional invitation. You see the picture of the mug with those words on it. Um, but I appreciate that Joe started us off with beauty, truth, and humor in this moment. So many of you started with nature as a powerful common theme when thinking about how beauty has transformed your life, how it impacts your every day. The image I started with uh, for myself was one I had taken uh, on Grandview Drive here in Peoria. It was an image of sunrise uh, looking over after I had dropped off a child at school. Just to be able to have a peaceful moment and look out as the wonder of the world began the dawning of everything in that moment. Levina Farden offered an image of beauty herself talking about how she turned to nature all the time, often Sedona in the Southwest, but in this case, she shared this wonderful image from Tawny Oaks from Autumn and the trees turning in all of their brilliant and beautiful colors. Part of, the, uh, part of the practice that we engage with is largely, often largely as individuals in this exploration of beauty. It's a, such an internal and external conversation in, in engaging with the world. One of the examples I thought of in this moment was a recent piece of art from one of my children. Uh, it's a Zentangle piece created at school, and I thought we'd appreciate that one because it was created. And I think there's an image deep inside of it, uh, amid swirls and colors and patterns, an image deep inside of a fox, if you will, amidst all the tentacles and tangles that are around it. This also is a nod to a class offered just recently by Joyce Rosenberger, the Zentangle class as well. Carol Manny talks about beauty in this case and offers an image of paint tubes uh, for, 
four of the exploration. And she talks about how I love color, spring flowers, beautiful bright vegetables, plants all lined up ready and fabrics and lights and gems. I can remember coming down an escalator at a Paris department store and all of a sudden my daughter and I saw thousands of Christmas ornaments all lined up by color. We rode that escalator four or five times until we got off the floor amongst the hundreds of colored balls of glass. How? How do you pick a color, a color of green, without first considering, is it mint or sage or the color of pine needles? The possibilities are endless when you experience color. What will make you most comfortable in your living room? What will what azalea will make the front door seem inviting? What vegetables go right in the salad to make it most appetizing? These details and layers and that joy of playing with the possibilities, that is part of how beauty makes us. I know Kelly Landon is one among many people who talked about finding, reconnecting with art during the pandemic as well. She talks about that she had kind of given up on thinking of herself as an artist or somebody who could offer that into the world. But during the pandemic, she dove back into art and found it a source of personal joy as well as now that she's also leading classes in creating. She's leading classes in creating, helping people find what beauty and uh, creativity mean to them and thus is making it both in them and in the community as well. Dave Grebner talks about uh, his own experience of nature as well as music. He says, for him, beauty of nature has transformed my life. He said, years ago, I went back to college and got my master's degree in environmental studies. Being out in nature helps me realize that I am part of the web of life that I come from Mother Earth and someday will return to her. And the other beauty in my life, he says, is music. That from the symphonic works of Aaron Copland, such as Appalachian Spring, to the compositions of Jean Sibelius in Finlandia and Karelia, to jazz and bluegrass and rock, music helps me feel the beautiful vibrations of life. And for this, he says, I thank my mother, Bernice, who composed her own light classical music. So Dave kind of comes, brings in a lot of different forms for us as we're thinking about what is the transformative power of this in nature, in art, in music, and much more. But I know so many of us, whether or not we create um, art of our own, that we go out and seek to see beauty, and creativity in the world. One of the places, uh, certainly this is something that's been cultivated in my family, and we're cultivating it in our children as well. The image I wanted to turn to for this moment was one that I had taken some years ago uh, at the Kimball Art Museum in Fort Worth, Texas. We took our then uh, much younger and much smaller son, this is from 2014, to the art exhibit of samurai uh, uh, armor and 
weapons and those being cherished as their own art itself. And the power and the discipline and the culture that all went into creating those and why they were present and valued at the time that they were. In this case, the picture you see is one where one of the notable, most notable examples of the armor is red and black in different shades and textures finely woven, very tough, with a grotesque, uh, exaggerated features dark mask to kind of create this sense of power and intimidation. And in the image, it has blown up many more times the size of the actual armor. But in this image, the photo that I took, at the very base of it, you see this little figure of about five years old wearing a green striped shirt of my son when he was younger, kind of taking the same pose as that armor and seeing himself in that power, in that possibility. This is all part of how we connect and nurture this connection to the transforming power of beauty in ourselves, but in the people around us and help them understand the value as such. What I also know, what also came out from members offering different thoughts for today was how much we see the transforming power of beauty in each of us, in this congregation, for example. I want to thank uh, Georgia for bringing some of the photos to mind, sharing them on our Facebook group. One of them is from sitting in the sanctuary and a selfie taken with two other members of the congregation. And just seeing the joy and lightness and brightness of people together in the pews, sharing the moment, that also, that also is part of that beauty that makes us, that we see each other, that we are with each other, that we would gather in together and take such joy from that. Part of that is also learning from each other. I want to turn to uh, George Evans' photo of the late beloved Shika Bhattacharya. Uh, she was someone who really embraced the transforming power of the world and, and the beauty of what each of us could teach and offer to each other. And here in, in this photo, she's talking about her teachings from the lessons from her beloved Hindu traditions and how much she wanted to bring that out into the world as well. And beyond our individual kind of relationship with each other, we do creating beauty together in ritual, in the regular gatherings of our lives. I enjoyed being part of the past winter solstice service created and, and managed by Amy Pop and by another, and various members and friends of the congregation. Um, so you'll see the table that was created and offered at the middle of this winter solstice circle that had pieces of paper on us for us to write uh, our intentions uh, for the coming year that they were later brought out into the fire and burned. That we recognize by ritual how the cycles of dark and light, the cycles of the moon and the sun also have their impact on us and our meanings in life and our understandings of our 
time and sense and history and purpose. And of course, I couldn't be talking about such things as ritual without mentioning Christmas Eve. I want to thank Georgia for this beautiful Christmas Eve photo. In that, I think in our Christmas Eve service is one of those concentrated examples of the beauty of music, the power of story, how we are gathered in deep celebration of the beginnings of a child's life, a child that is set on a radical message of love that is aspiring to transform and heal the world. And we do so with candles and wreaths and music for all of us, friends and neighbors, those familiar and those who are strangers, all being welcomed into such a moment. We turn to thinking about kind of reflections on what does beauty mean to us individually and our purposes for it. I so appreciate Ray Keithley talking about one of my main goals in life is to create beauty, whether it's as an artist or just in the conduct of our daily lives. I also try to appreciate the beauty of whatever I may encounter. So how we conduct ourselves is part of that effort, or what we encounter, being able to witness to the world. I found one that was a little bit deeper than expected. I want to thank Terry Matthews for this image of the book cover that we have uh, from Larry Matthews' daughter, her thesis on the German Enlightenment philosopher Immanuel Kant, uh, Patricia M. Matthews, uh, someone who is part of this congregation's religious education program. Her PhD thesis is The Significance of Beauty, Kant on Feeling and the System of the Mind. I will say I had to resist taking a deep dive uh, into Kant and beauty and what on what this could possibly be unfolding and implying for uh, our understanding of it. If this is an opportunity, I invite you to go take, a, go take some diving into this understanding of beauty just by itself. But I need to offer also that there was a contrast in one of the conversations. From Lindy Peterson gave the example of not necessarily connecting with an ideal image of beauty or beauty as something that would be valuable because beauty seemed to be about right and wrong or highly subjective so that how could one kind of capture it and connect with it and what use would it be if it was so entirely uh, an either-or proposition uh, based on somebody's opinions. But in growing, she talked about encountering a more expansive idea of beauty and found that there were things that could be described as intrinsically beautiful. Uh, one could be uh, the experience of playing defense in softball where we were so well-practiced that in every situation, every person on the field reacted instantly and exactly in the correct way. Everyone knew what everyone was supposed to do, and everyone trusted that everyone would do it. So here's another understanding of what can be, what can be transforming about an understanding of beauty, where if there's flow, where if there's 
a sense of connection, what, how that can show up in any form, including on the softball diamond. That story or song can be beautiful, she was saying, because it tells a truth or inspires us to believe. And so too can be transformative love and how it can improve people's lives. But being lightly attached to a sense of beauty and being willing to explore the question, the nature of beauty itself, can allow us to be more open to what is weird or ugly and not necessarily obviously pleasing, if you will. I think an element of beauty that we need to bring out in this moment is one that's full of heartbreak and challenge as well as, as, well as being filled up. Joyce Rosenberger talks about how the beauty of the planet Earth never ceases to amaze me and inspire me, and that the harm that people are doing to this home of ours saddens me. I'm not sure when I became aware of the beauty of our world, but I have a memory of sitting up in the mountains in Banff and Canada with this feeling of absolute peacefulness and joy. And yet here is how we also treat our earth in such terrible ways. I think Judith Corn Shanahan brings out those different connections in the complicated nature of our lives. She said, we all need beauty in our lives to help survive the worst parts, the daily sorrow of pictures of war when we are helpless to stop it, the sudden and unexpected deaths of loved ones, the destructive storms that strike when we least expect them. We need to be reminded through music, whether classical or contemporary, through dance and art and, and blooming trees and bushes and licks from our beloved dogs and cats, too. We need a warm hug and smiles from friends and from family. The beauty of children we may have born, seeing them in the hope of the future, in their wide eyes. We need, she says, we need to create art to learn we are creative souls in so many ways. Not all of us create in identical ways, but in so many ways. The dance and play an instrument and write poetry and make finger paintings make all the beauty, make all the beauty we so desperately need and crave. Being able to engage with such practices of beauty, it really makes us more able to see all the world in its entirety, to survive, and to wonder and imagine something different, but not shy away from what is painful, and what has been our legacy, and what is our current struggle. We cultivate an encounter with the world in exploring the nature of beauty, with history and humanity and the freedom to express as well as live and thrive. We witness moments when we're more open to the experience of beauty. We witness moments that stop time and space. There's a notable photo from 2016. It's entitled, Taking a Stand in Baton Rouge. I'm not sharing it today because I don't have 
permission, but I invite you to check it out. Let me talk to you about it. From 2016, there are protests against police violence in predominantly black neighborhoods and populations. There was a protest against the deaths, uh, the terrible deaths of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, black men, black young men at the hands of the police. The photo, taking a stand in Baton Rouge, became notable and famous. In it is the central figure of a tall, slender, dark-skinned African-American woman. She's wearing a lightweight sundress with black and white patterns cascading down it. You can see the flow of the lightweight dress blowing in the breeze. She is standing in the middle of the road, calm, poised with her hands folded in front of her as she holds her cell phone. And she is simply there, present, not moving. The other half of the photo you'll see in her immediately in front of her are three uh, police officers clad in black armor. They look like these sleek black beetles, all in their gear, and they have been moving towards her at speed. You can see that they're running to stop themselves before they hit her, before they come into contact with her. And behind them is another further line of officers in black armor. In this particular photo, we don't know what happens next. All we see is this woman, entirely bare and unarmed, being encountered by these heavily armored officers. But the history of police violence and culturally learned violence against black bodies makes this a tense and terrible moment, leaving most of us fearful for her well-being. What will happen when they touch her? Now, this woman was, in fact, peacefully protesting. The officers were trying to clear the highway that had been blocked by protesters. And so she knew that she was going to be arrested, and she still stood there, ready. This woman was Aisha Evans. She was captured in this photograph. She had transferred, uh, traveled to Louisiana with the Young Minds Can, a civil rights organization, along with other concerned citizens. And here's what she said about that moment. When the police pushed everyone off the street, I felt like they were pushing us to the side to silence our voices and diminish our presence. They were once again leveraging their strength to leave us powerless. As Africans in America, we are tired of protesting that our lives matter. It's time to stop begging for justice and take a stance for our people. It's time for us to be fearless and to take our power back. All of that was held in that moment, in that one photo of that young woman facing all those heavily armed officers. So let me offer what happened after. It was immediately followed is that those officers did, in fact, 
arrive at her, take her arms, and lead her directly to jail. She was physically uninjured in the encounter. But there she was in her form, a queen crowned with poise and presence instead of gold. It reminded me of art by Kinheidi Wiley, who's a contemporary black male artist known for his portrait of President Obama, who was seated and surrounded by greenery with some peaks of other colors. Wiley's work is a photorealistic style against densely patterned backgrounds. And I could imagine him taking the treatment of uh, Aisha Evans. And the, I could see in her stance there the deep history that frames her presence of racism, sexism, of social and economic hardship, of disempowerment, of disenfranchisement, along with the powers of generations of elders and neighbors and women and people who saw her beauty and spirit and humanity. That kind of density of frame, that density of presence that would be around her, that she carried with her, what is what Wiley might deploy to make a portrait of her. And at the same time, her presence simply standing there on a hot July day against the highway shade and thirsty grass faced with a wall of black armor, that, that was complete as a composition in itself. Ms. Evans, in a BBC America interview, spoke about that photo and that moment that it became more than her in an instant. It was carried beyond her. Uh, she was captured, found images of urban art, graffiti. One example was of the officers as robots with cube-styled heads, and Aisha and herself radiant colors of blue and green with a blue halo surrounding her. It was beyond her as the individual and into something more transcendent and powerful of black power, women power, someone alone showing black men that their queens support them, as she said. This is all part of what happens when we let the beauty that makes us truly transform us and be able to see the entirety and the complexities of our world. And then say, now what do we do with this witness, with this information? Beauty created in community is what we do as a congregation and explore what is possible, what we need to keep doing to sustain ourselves, to express our passion and life. We have an example of one of the ways that shows up in our community, in our immediate Peoria community. I saw this from uh, Eric Masters, a member at Imago Day Church from Big Picture Peoria. So this picture, uh, Peoria is the Hello Peoria mural, began in 2018 at the Big Picture Street Festival where the public created an abstract mural using super soakers filled with paint. And then various artists went and finished the painting. Um, 
And then it evolved over the next year and a half or so with additional artists from Bradley and other places coming in to kind of fill up from the ground to the top of the building to make an entirely other statement than a blank wall, to fill up the world with beauty. And then an additional Uruguayan, Uruguayan artist, Marissa Bernardi, flew in to also add to it. So not just local, but international relations, putting everything together as a community across the globe to create something new. This is one of those examples of when what we make, all that we bring with us in terms of being willing to witness the world and coming together, then creates new beauty of its own. But I want to close with one last image of beauty, one that is the result in creation um, and continues in the life of our congregation from our families and in the church. This image is one of a heart chalked into the church parking lot. It's in multiple colors, created with tape outlines, um, and I want to thank the Franklin family who all created this. I saw them all on the ground, all coloring in the chalk together. And there, and there in these words is the simple message of be kind. Our great purpose in gathering is to offer more justice, more love, more compassion to ourselves, to those we know, and to those we do not know that we may create a more beautiful and more abundant life together. Let us go forth in returning and re-exploring and re-encountering all the beauty that makes us. Let us go forward with these words and simply be kind. Let us close with